You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts, Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel is all about encouraging men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to opening up discussions that most men aren't having, but you certainly don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel podcast is produced live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. You can find more information about the Real Men Feel movement at realmenfeel.org. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. This is a weekly program, and your comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in the Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hello, and welcome again to Real Men Feel. I am your host, Andy Grant. We're very glad to have you joining us for episode 48. On tonight's show, we are being joined from a, a guest from Down Under, uh, the emotional strength trainer, Amanda Foy. Now, I can only assume that the emotional strength trainer will somehow teach us to get in our bunker of emotion so nothing can bug us and we won't feel a damn thing. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. We'll find out, right? <laughs> um, but before we get going, I want to introduce the beacon of happiness himself, my friend and co-host, Apio Hunter. Uh, hey, Andy. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> well, before you, get, before you learn how to be so strong emotionally, I want to welcome your openness first, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. But, you know, I'm so glad that we have Amanda here tonight because man, she definitely has, has been a real pillar of strength for me at times as well. So Beautiful. Yeah, I should point out, uh, Amanda is a friend to both of us. Um, we haven't had her on the show yet, but we've talked to her plenty of times. So, so we are just thrilled um, and totally, to have the totally balls, Amanda Foy. Thank you so much. I'm coming on your show every week if this is the, the, the speak up that I get, just quietly. <laughs> it's all downhill. So thank now. you very much for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we are really excited to have you join us. Um, you know, I have seen some of your work. You're really a, a powerful, in, intuitive, and energy worker, an energy reader, and all those sort of things. Um, and before we get too far ahead, why don't you, because I'm sure I, you know, I like, I like hosting the show so I can play dumb because I'm really good at playing dumb. So why don't you tell us what you really mean by being an emotional strength? Thank you. Okay. Well, the emotional strength trainer is a, a natural therapy that I've developed over the last eight years or so. And I am somebody that teaches and can help people to essentially make friends with their emotions. Part of the process with personal development and with people over time, uh, with the you know the the first wave of personal development is like get to the positive as soon as possible. And one of the things that I've noticed in my research and with my work is that anybody that ignores the negative ends up being sick. Because we are taught that we have to you know swallow things or don't upset people, don't. Um, create waves, all of those sort of things. So there's generational stuff involved. There is life experience involved. So that's why I say I'm the person you want on your health and happiness team when life shows up because life is going to show up. You cannot have 
no blips because that's a flat line and that means everything is dead. We can't grow without the, the ordinary things. We can't um, take ourselves to new heights of awareness and understanding without going through the peaks and troughs. So my work helps people to stop the major extremes, but then when an extreme does happen, your capacity to cope is heightened. You have a greater resilience. You have a, a treasure trove of tools that can have you dealing with something for 24, 48 hours instead of two years. Um, you're able to process the, the whole notion of why you've gone through things quickly. And then the energy therapy takes away the cellular footprint. So I have, which is the title of today's show, is the anatomy of awareness. And I've come to realize that one of my greatest parts and why we're all friends is that it takes a village to raise a child. Not one of us is the complete and total answer for anybody looking for help and support. So in my anatomy of awareness, I have level one, which is where we recognize that there's something wrong. So when somebody is sitting there and says, something's not right here. And then level two is they go and seek out people to help, which can also be self-help books, podcasts like this fabulous podcast, um, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, counsellors, therapists, energy people that do like acupuncture, bioresonance therapy, all of those sort of things. But then your energy therapists that do stuff that are attached to soul issues and cellular footprints that can connect the dots back to parts of your body, neural neuroscience and those sorts of things. We clear out that footprint that takes away the neural pathways and the synapses that say, here is a trigger, you're going to be sick. So my hope and, and uh, life's purpose, if you will, is that I will educate people on how to ask the question, do the research, do the energy work, and then free themselves so that if you do get sick, your body will process everything quicker so you don't get chronic sick, but it's just sick. Like for, even for today, I have a dodgy throat. My kids <laughs> brought something home from school, but I'm, you know, my husband's crashed. I haven't because I'm able to sit there and go, right, my positive action is a throat lozenge, give myself a bit of an energetic clear out, tell it to go away because speaking is my job, and then move on, tap into why those sort of things have happened. Uh, I'm medically friendly. I don't believe that if you take medicine out of your health and happiness regime, if it's something that you've had in there, you will go into this place of fear of I hope I've done the right thing, which can create a, a, a depleted immune system. So the goal is to go through this work in conjunction with medicine if you have it, see how you're feeling, readdress, and then get to a place where, like I am, I haven't had antibiotics for years. Um, I had a, a great win the other day, or this is last year, I did lose my voice, like completely gone. And the... Because I panicked, because I'm like, my life is my voice. I thought, what am I going to do? And so I went to the doctor. And when I went to the doctor, they said, oh, your file is inactive. And I'm like, <laughs> because it's been so long since I've been to the doctor. But I needed her. 
but then she said it was viral and there was no infection. I didn't have a fever or anything. So no medicine for you. Just go home and have some rest. And but it was a positive action to remove the fear. And then I did all of my energy work on myself. And, uh, and, and I also had another lady that I had helped me and it was back within 24 hours awesome. and it was, awesome. I needed to have a break. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So it, Your body's always giving you information and, and if you ignore it, you get sicker. That's right. And then it can lead to the big nasties. And as with what you guys are doing here, which is what uh, the reason why I want to share about that whole cellular memory thing is, you know, here in Australia, the levels of suicide are off the charts and something is missing because people are missing. It's okay to talk about things and it's a very, very, very important step to talk about it. But there are these things that are sitting dormant and the message of I'm not allowed to have emotions. I've got to suck it up. I've got to be tough. You know, I'm a man. I've got to be in, in charge of this family. I've got to get my kids through school. Blah, blah, blah. And it all just sits there and festers. Whereas if you bring energy work into the situation, it helps get it out so that the talking becomes more effective. And then you don't have so many people thinking that they're like the, once the chemical self-destruct buttons are in place, then that's when you're in a lot, a lot, a lot of trouble. Right. And, and I love what you said. Me, I love how you talked about that. It's, it's, it's always going to be bumpy. Because when I was yeah. depressed and suicidal, I thought happy people were just flatlining up high. I, I thought normal life was just flat and you were just always thrilled to be alive. I thought that was what all the other human beings were except me. Um, and I found yeah. that not to be the case. And it sounds like you found no. that not to be the case too. Yeah. And, but no. it is about resiliency. It is resiliency, but also recognizing a moment. I saw a great meme on Facebook the other day where someone had said they'd had a crap day. And then somebody came in and said, was it a crap day? Or was it a crap five minutes? And you're milking it for all it's worth. And I thought, that's perfect. If you can bring it back to a moment in time, like even if you think about, you know, um, animals are a bit of an Achilles heel for me. The loss of a, a pet is devastating, but the it's a moment that one minute they're there and the next minute they're not. It's just a moment, and it's often all of the memories and that that loss and those sorts of things. But with this kind of work and bringing energy therapies into your everyday, that moment doesn't have to rob you of the ability to go into your next moment for extended periods of time that's you know that first bit of time where it is and you you just gutted and devastated sit in it you need to sit in it because you need to process it that you're we're human we're given these emotions for a reason the only the two most useless emotions known to man are guilt and shame they have no purpose other than to make you feel worse than you could ever possibly feel. All of the other emotions, your grief and your anger and sadness, and they help you if you can own them. And then you become more resilient and you be able to do, uh, you know, process it quicker, understand it. That doesn't mean to say that it's going to not pop up again at another time. For example, I'll just show you something quickly. I, 
I have a, a notion called uh, covert trauma that I'm, I'm starting to do records of in my work because of, and how long things take to show up. I'm just peeling off a note here. So my son, I was sitting in my desk the other day and my son flung a piece of paper at me and I'm like, Ugh! and he said, open it, mum. And when I opened it, it said, I love you with some hearts on it. <laughs> and because it's all crinkled up, and I looked at it and he gave it to me. I'm like, oh, that's loving. And then I was sitting here the other day because I've hung it on the bottom of my calendar and I looked over it and the angle it was sitting, the writing is just like my first, my ex-husband, my first husband. And he was so emotionally horrible and traumatic to me, I can't begin to say. Now that relationship hasn't had any contact or anything. Like the last piece of contact was through a letter through a lawyer 19 years ago. And I looked at that and I looked and I thought, and I had this huge, that's how um, my first husband's handwriting looked. And then I went into, stupid universe, why did you make it that my son is writing like him and blah, 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 because I love my son and I don't love him and blah. It was just this trigger, massive trigger. So I know that and I've left it there because that note from my son is too important for me and it was such a it's loving and he was being annoying like it throwing it at me <laughs> but it's um I'm going to work through that which is that covert trauma 19 years ago that last thing he happened let's go and have a look what I got to deal with use my processes flick it so that every time I see that note it will just be all about my son and not about the, the first trauma that occurred because the writing looks the same. And you, you mentioned guilt and shame being, did you call them useless emotions? The only useless emotions. And, mm -hmm. and you know, the, the, the title of the show, trying to get every emotion's okay to feel they all serve you is kind of where we're coming from. And so I, I wonder mm -hmm. like that, that viewpoint that they're useless is, is that because they're kind of the emotions that do they show up because you judged other emotions? Is that like the residue you get? Um, guilt and shame. From my mind, guilt and shame, all they do is make you feel revolting. You take other people's soul agreements, you take other people's situations, you take responsibility for absolutely everything and you own it. So then, so when that shows up for me, when I'm doing an energy session, the person's energy shows up with their hands over their face. They can't show their energy face to me. So it's like this and it's always sort of down, often sobbing and crying because they can't get past the guilt and shame of what they've done, even though it's a whole series of things that comes about to create a situation. So from my mind, the reason why they're useless is because they do nothing other than to make you feel bad or worse. And it's a record player going in your head. If you sit in a state of guilt, without positive action of recognizing your responsibility in a situation, going into acceptance that you had that part to play, but there's also other parts to play. It's not a blame game. It's like guilt and shame is complete blame here. 
-hmm. And we know blame is not, um, not a great thing either because it's, there's no responsibility in blame, but guilt is, is acceptance without positive action and without responsibility to a set set of circumstances, which means you're in a pig's wheel of a well that has no steps. You've got to sit there and try and grab something and it's all slimy and gross and you can't get out. It's, it's just, it, it serves no purpose other than to keep you where you're stuck. And shame, again, is lack of acceptance and lack of um, acknowledgement that we're having a human experience. So when, you know, this, this high idea that we are meant to be at a certain level and that's where you can bring in religion and you can bring in um, the what will other people think and all of those sorts of things. See, what... And shame is also a very personal thing. It's the same with what I say with emotional trauma. Trauma is defined by the person. What I might find traumatic, you might not. What I might find shameful, you might not. It's all a part of who we are and what we're taught and how we're expected to be. And one of the greatest things I think uh, in our generation is that we came from or have come from people who had a very two the two generations before us had a very different set of circumstances that they lived with to what we are today no technology uh, you had uh, also uh, things like um, the depression the wars there was even uh, in 1919 the great big flu epidemic that wiped out millions of people all around the world. Uh, so the, the ability to lose something in a nanosecond was a common theme in those two generations. We're sitting here living with people that ate all your, your dinner because people can't have food. And, but that's, that's not your fault. <laughs> it's not, there's no, like, unless you're somebody that has gone and sprayed a paddock with DDT to kill everything and everyone, that's not a responsibility. You can make a positive choice and do something and donate to people that help. But the shame of leaving your peas on your plate because somebody starved 10 years ago isn't an energy that's going to do anything. You know, shame around sexuality is another biggie. We've come from two um, eras that, you know, I'm glad we're alive in this era because it's a lot more forgiving and a lot more tolerant and a lot more normal to be able to see two men holding hands walking down the street or two women holding hands walking down the street, wanting to get married, recognising what love is. There's no, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done by all accounts, but the, the people that get to live with the closer and closer without the shame, but then letting down your parents and letting down the family and, you know, it, you, I could go on, but it's there. It's all useless. You know, positive action will take it away. It's there for a reason, but it's, 
it's the two that I recommend people get onto as quickly as possible because you can't make real change until you just let it go. You know, that, that's such a fascinating perspective that you shared. And you know, I would say that I would absolutely you know, agree with you as far as the guilt and shame being useless. And yet there's an interesting perspective that was also shared from Lori in the chat. She's like, she said that guilt and shame are signs that you're ready to shift. So you can, when you feel guilt and shame, you can also do a happy dance about what's making you feel guilty or, or shame-filled and feel free to share it because it can be. Yeah, brave. that's awareness. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. I agree, Laurie. That's, I 100% agree on that one. That's the best part about this personal development. When you see something, you go, I remember one day I was sitting at home and it was one of those enlightened moments where I sat there and I went, I'm depressed. And then I thought, what am I going to do? So I quickly got my notepad and I got my pen and I started to write out everything I was grateful for because the awareness landed. And I'm like, yeah. And then I just started to, to do everything I could. And then I found out later uh, when depression comes on and they'd invented the Rubik's cube, they used to chuck people a Rubik's cube because the hand motion that was required with the brain messages, it helped to change the chemicals and step it out. So by me automatically going and getting a notepad and writing all of my things out, I was doing this essentially to get me out of my depression. So yes, with what, when you can recognize or have somebody in that second level say, oh, you're in a guilt and shame um, pattern, then yes, you're able to go, cool, I've got something to work with. And that is part of the acceptance and part of the, um, the great gift that, you know, you've got two sides to every coin. So, yeah, as long, if you know what you're working with, boom, off you go. So it's back to awareness. If, if, you're, if guilt and shame are driving you day to day and you're not even aware of that, you just think, oh, this is what life is, yeah, that's yes. serving no purpose and something needs to wake you up to that. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, when you, you're not, you keep missing out on, um, you know, and that can lead into sabotage, self-sabotage. When you're sitting in a guilt and shame pattern and you're wondering why every new person that comes into your life thinks you suck after a couple of days and you're like, oh, that must have been because I was cruel to that puppy dog when I was three. I'm so ashamed of myself. No, it's just, but the energy and the, the, yeah, the energy ties that show up. And I learnt recently, I read a, um, a, an, an article with some neuroscience with the neural pathways. When you start, so guilt and shame can start from a really early age. It doesn't have to be something that's most recent. So when you have a neural pathway start and your, your comprehension skills and your awareness tell you I'm on the right path. So just for example, a neural pathway is a dot. Life happens, a new, a new situation or event happens that's similar to this one. New dot, 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 dot. By the time you're in our, at our age group and you have something happen and your story has told you you're worthless from this first incident all the way through. So then you get to this thing and you go for a job interview and you miss out. And your brain says, see, you weren't going to get it because you're not good enough. And the neural pathway fires and gives you a hit of dopamine, which is your reward chemical. 
So energy work breaks those neural pathways so your reward chemical doesn't hit when it says, see, we told you you're worthless. Look, you're right. And that's what energy therapies do to the patterns because they, you know, they're an energetic snip and you, you go into your quantum physics and things. But that was a big interesting thing for me about why some people get stuck because there's a, there's a chemical bonus for staying in that story. So it does take a huge amount of awareness and a huge amount of personal, I don't want to feel like that anymore and I'll, I'll do what I can to get it done and uh, you, you find new alternatives to do it. Right. Yeah. It takes a conscious choice to that, that oldest thought, the biggest rut is the easiest one to fall into, you know, habitually thinking or action wise. And yeah, it takes effort to go, no, I got to, I got to blaze a new trail in my own brain to, to get me into a happier, better feeling place. That's right. Yep. And you can do that with, with therapies and, um, and people who are trained in being able to create blockage. There is science. I read a science article. I'm sure I've shared it on my page somewhere. I must find it. That has the the actual science behind breaking a neural pathway and energy. That's what when it was because the amount of times I'd said over the years, this is breaking the synapse in your brain, and I'm I knew what a synapse was <laughs> neurologically. I didn't, and then I saw this science paper, and I'm like, oh, that's what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> Without probes. <laughs> Good. Good for you. We need less probing in the world. Huh? <laughs> there are no body fluids required. <laughs> so I am curious about your take on the relationship between the stories and the, you know, the, the, the neural pathways that are created from repeating the stories and that cellular memory the linkages between the cellular memory? Is it like all one big nasty stew? Or is there some type of a, a path or, or, or linkage that you can follow from step to step to step that allows yes. that? Yeah. Emotional trauma is very clever. Hmm. What happens is when you tap into your story and you look at the emotions, the emotions attach itself to different parts of your body. So that's why I was saying, as I, I love this book, The Secret Language of Your Body by Ina Segal. And there's also a lot of research and, and therapies in place. There's my first um, step into it was neuroemotional technique, which is a, an energy therapy um, developed by a chiropractor back in 1985. And it taps into the Chinese body clock. So when you look at things like the liver, and liver is associated with anger. Now, this is where you can also bring in. So I operate from the trio of health. I work on a triangle, um, which has a fourth side to it, which is the spiritual up the top. So my triangle is a little bit of a weird shape. Um, so it's the um, emotional, structural, and chemical. Okay? Mm -hmm. So what happens is... If you are somebody that has had a lot of reason to be angry in your life, your liver is the organ of the body that processes anger. So then if you're sitting there and you need a sugar hit or you're addicted to sugar, my first thing is what are you angry about? What have you had happen in your life that's made you angry? Because the liver is the, the organ that processes the sugar. 
Now, that's not to say that you've gone and grabbed yourself, a, you know, a bottle of Coca-Cola or a, a handful of sweets or something like that. It can also be eating dairy food and wheat, which turns into a sugar really quickly. It's how the body processes what you eat. So from that perspective of I want to lose weight, then it's go and have a look at what you're eating and what it's processing. Kidney is associated with fear. So if you have lived in high, hypervigilant um, states where fear is a big part of your life, go and join the dots to the fear. Uh, your stomach, the emotion associated with stomach is uh, disgust. So those sorts of things where you've had different things happen in your life and you've got that feeling, that ew, feeling, that sort of thing. Um, so it's a there's the whole raft. So there's a big chart and then it can link it through to, so with chiropractic, if a, an adjustment wasn't holding, then they go and have a look and see whether it's an emotional thing and they can clear out the emotion and then your adjustment will hold and your spine is the, this, the core. It's the central, central, central part of your immune system. So with that, with the emotions and with the different parts that the different things that show up in life, and uh, you are able to then join the dots to what segment. So, you know, uh, children that are adopted, they have huge rejection issues and abandonment issues. So they are, you can go and have a look and find those keywords and see what element of um, the body that it's going to go and sit in. You have meridians that hold different things, which is why acupuncture is very good. Because mm -hmm. um, they, they can tap into the meridian system and release different things as well. So the body in all its miraculous glory, together with our base human uh, emotions, give you all of these clues on where to go and how to heal things. Your brain is your computer program. It's your, you know, the amount of times I've said in sessions, it's like you're being defragged because there's so much confusion. When you have cancers and they show up in the body, secondary cancers are always an interest to me. So if somebody presents in my practice with a cancer, I always ask them to get what the secondary cancers are in that type of cancer, because there's science with that, um, so that we can address and make sure that when we're digging through things that we address those issues as well. So for example, um, liver being a secondary cancer, the anger that you would feel at having this land on your lap and then having to deal with it. And then if kidneys are involved, the fear involved with chemo and pain and leaving your family and leaving your kids or all those sorts of things, you know, there's, it's really easy to join the dots. So while it looks like it's a big complex bucket of mess, when you have people that are able to sit there and help you join the dots, it becomes really clear mm. and you can get those things and you can put them in your, in their little box and you can heal it and cut the ties and send it off and do all of the, the actual work that you need to do with things. Mm -hmm. And then you come out the other side and you have better outcomes with your illness from the point of you might get a cold, but you recover in a couple of days or, you know, the people I work with with the cancer, I work with them as they're going through their chemo schedule. And the ones that I've worked with 
have had to explain to people, yes, I'm sick because they're not getting the, um, the reactions. Like one, the last lady with breast cancer that I worked with didn't even lose her hair. So, but she also addressed her diet and followed the, to the law, what the doctor said to do with her medication, um, did all of the energy work and emotional work with me. We, we found what the core issue was and uh, cleared that out, but it takes time and you, you can get to the other end. As far as uh, things like depression and um, thinking that the responsibility and things like that, you want to look at familial um, stories and also from an energy perspective, look at, and from real men feel, look at the stories of the men before you. Look at the way the feminine treated the men before you. Look at the story of the fe the um, the feminine and and how they were treated by the masculine in their generation, and how that has linked into the relationships that you've that have brought you up. Mm. You know, it's I've just started doing some work with a group of people around cutting energy ties with the family tree. So it's just bringing in a visual of a family tree with branches and little faces like on ancestry.com <laughs> and bringing it in and asking to see what the energy tie is. It's only one step and it's obviously not a one time fixes all, but if you want to get stuff done, get in and try that. So you know, I have to, I have to like go back really quick to what you're saying about anger and the liver because my husband has spent i mean the 15 plus years that we've been together he's always had anger issues he gets very angry very quickly and when he gets upset it's amazing how it triggers off his liver and he ends up having to take a special herb that we get from peru in order to be able to settle the liver down again and you know the headaches go away and everything else so i, I thought that was really really fascinating that particular linkage and i'm going to definitely be sharing what you shared tonight with him so he could actually you know get a little better on that but there's a question here in the chat from leslie um which is a fantastic question so it says my son keeps picking up virus after virus he's 14. What do you think I should address when it comes to food and emotions? Personally, she thinks that it's, it's about being likely and overdoing things. Um, viruses mean feeling out of control, vulnerable, easily manipulated and affected by others, criticized, harassed, threatened, attacked, and like, behaving like a victim. So the other part that I would, when he gets a virus, what happens? Is he, um, is he, going to bed for two or three days at a time? Is he um, getting vomity bugs or diarrhea, those sorts of things? Because um, that's where you also want to drill down as to why. And then it is a big question with, especially with children and teenagers and things and peer pressure, understanding where they feel like they don't have a voice, sickness, Okay, so this is a little bit of a high-level comment, and again, it's a generalisation. It gets diarrhoea, stomach, and high fever plus sinus issues. Okay, sinus issues is being angry at one person and usually someone close. So if a parent is <laughs> if a parent is pushing the buttons or something like that, or a close friend or a teacher, somebody they trust, that would be what I would be looking at there. Um, 
What was I saying with the other thing? So diarrhea, stomach, high fever as well. Okay. The, all right, so let's quickly go and have a look. Fevers generally do mean an infection. So um, as long as it's not spiking into the space of, you know, um, having those seizures, then it's just allow and moderate, but also finding your voice. So diarrhea is feeling uncomfortable with decisions you've made, unsure how to ask for help, feeling helpless, lost, unsupported, insecure and confused, experiencing fear and apprehension. I, I would be looking at stuff going on with school and is there is there a change happening? Is there going into a new set of study or um, new group of friends? All of those sorts of things. Uh, the other thing with teenagers, are they really going to be so open to talking about things? Because that perception of, I don't want to get in trouble. Kids lie because they think that the consequences are 10 times worse than if they tell the truth. Um, but, you know, subliminally giving hints like, oh, I was on this radio show the other day and they were talking about this, this and this. Maybe we just, does that ring a bell? And then just plant the seed and let them them do it themselves. But um, from the point of, that's what I was going to say, illness, and again, that's what I wanted to address. This is a high level generalization. This doesn't apply to, and I'm not going to say it because to kick anybody in the gut, so to speak. It's not something that is meant to cause you um, distress. It is what I have realized through my work and why I'm doing this as a, my purpose in life. When you get sick, it is your body's way of taking you out of a situation that you don't know how to handle. So you are unsure what to do now. Generally speaking, if you're in a family situation or friends or, or family and you present as sick, they're not going to sit there and go, toughen up, sunshine, get over it because you've turned into a snot machine and expelling other fluids out of your body like a rapid machine gun. You're, they're going to cut you some space or you're too sick to go to school so you stay at home or you're too sick to go to work so you stay at home and you try and get through whatever you can. Now, from my mind, with and from an energy perspective, illness comes when you're being too stubborn to do the work and do the acceptance and own up. So illness comes to drop your resistance to a point where you go, oh, we'll do anything to get this to go, <laughs> which is a good thing, okay? So as long as you're... It, and again, this is stuff to do with catching it quickly. If you have recurring things that can turn into something nasty down the track, then that's a whole nother discussion when it's dealing with cancer and things. I have a very big theory about that one. But from an illness, it's like Laurie said uh, earlier, it's a, a great thing when guilt and shame, when you recognise guilt and shame show up, oh, I've got something to work with. A virus shows up. They can't give you any medication because it's viral. There's nothing to give you. Oh, dot, dot, dot. We have an emotional issue here. What are we dealing with? And so then you can start. So, so illness 
can be your survival mechanism. Absolutely. Yes. So Laurie, it's the biggest, biggest and first sign that something's wrong. I, I just can I, I just want to share something really like so this is this has always happened to me. Not 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 so much anymore because I learned how to say no. But I would say yes to things I didn't want to go to. And if I really didn't want to go, the day the event would be happening, I would have like the worst migraine and I would have to cancel. Because the yeah. only way I could cancel would be if I was sick, right? Because like I would feel too get like I I would do it. I have to go. So the only way out for me was to get physically sick. And so I would get a migraine, right? Puking sick from the migraine and it would be gone. Like I would have to call the person and go, Oh, I can't make it. I have a migraine. I'm so sorry. And then like within like an hour after that, the migraine would be gone. But I, it, it, it ha and then finally as, as over the years, you know, you do enough work and I was like, huh, Whenever I say yes to something I really don't want to do, I get sick. So now when that happens, I get a feeling in my gut and I call the person right away and go, I was mistaken. I can't do what I said I could do. It's, it sucks. I'm getting better at learning how to say no. But if I say yes and I get that feeling, I know I have to handle it immediately. Otherwise, I'm going to get sick from it. So it's yeah, just, and that, I just that want is to share that because that's, and that's an easy one, right? Because it's a simple like, oh, I get a migraine. It's a very, it's very easy to connect that. Like, hmm, I only get migraines when I have to do something I don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, but if you think about the like migraines, <clears throat> I think I've had one of those in my life. Like, could not get my head up off the pillow. This is part of, and that's part of the uh, the equation. We. Are paying such a heavy price ourselves like from from the pain that I felt with <laughs> my migraine I giggle now because I understand what it is but um it was like oh no I have a tumor <laughs> it was that bad okay but that fear that you go into and then all of this extra because it's so bad where all you've got to do is say no and that's something um in my Kami group last week we just started working on the notion of being allowed to change your mind as you're working through your people pleasing, one of the greatest gifts you can give to yourself and to others is to say, you know what, I said yes to that, but that's not really what I meant. And I'm really sorry to disappoint you because you are. You don't want to string people along. That's one of the biggest things I learned with people pleasing when I was doing the work on it, where we're just manipulating people. When we're being people pleasers, we're just manipulators. Mm -hmm. Amen. That sounds disgusting. And as soon as that word was put to me, I'm like, nope, stop. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not manipulating anyone. But the price that we pay, it's unnecessary. You know, and it's it comes back to that connotation or that, that concept rather that I said before about kids tell lies because they think the outcome will be twice as bad as just telling the truth. And that's um, that's what we're doing when when we do that so when your body makes you sick to give you a valid reason it's a lack of self-worth and a self-love because you don't think your no is enough which is then you track along and go and have a look at all the patterns where your no has meant nothing right. to all the people who are important to you and when you do that you sit there and you go oh 
and then you keep the pins away from voodoo dolls because of the people that you recognize that have gone you're not allowed to say no you're not allowed to to have any emotions you're not allowed to feel like that that's that's when you know again personal development is not a walk in the park but when you get onto those big ticket items everything else underneath it becomes really easy to shift and that's a that's a biggie laurie being thinking that a migraine is an easier way out knowing you can't get your head off the pillow you're vomiting your toes up and you know in drama speak feel like you're dying right just because meant to say no i can't attend your tupperware party it's pretty scary i mean and you, well and you, like you know you know me amanda so you know that like i've done like i do a lot of work around that the people pleasing and the boundaries and all that and yes um and the guilt and the shame that go with it and and realizing that you know because you you were talking about the guilt and it was it was fabulous and the shame and how when that comes up like it's a sign that you that you're clearing something because when you feel when you feel shame you're not in alignment with your true self and that means that that action is what's your, what's out of alignment not the shame the action that's created right so like if you feel guilty about something and it's 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 quite fabulous like i love i love this work and i love that you're doing this and helping people because i always say when you when you feel guilt or shame you should be doing the happy dance because that means you figured something out that's not okay for you to do you know in your system not that yeah. you should do it like saying no used to make me feel shameful but yeah like you have to say no but i was like what is it about saying no that brings shame that i won't even and shame I, I wrote earlier is silent. So you yeah. don't, you won't share that in like, oh, I'm not a good person because I can't help those people because I can't say yes to everything. That's shame. Feeling guilty because you can't make an event is one thing, but shame is all about, you know, I'm a bad person because I can't do this, not I did something bad. It's about well, how we feel, right? And that's why it's so quiet, you know, that's why it's so silent. But being able yeah. to speak it relieves the shame. And As you were men, saying that. Men too, because men, I think, yeah. so much more silently than women. We'll, we're much more apt to talk about it amongst ourselves. Well, I shouldn't really say that. I certainly wasn't willing to talk about it for many years, but I think men really struggle with that as well, that sharing of, of shame, because it, it's, it's meant to keep you stuck. Yeah. And whose story are you attached to? That was a big thing. As you were saying that, I just went, oh, of course. When you're stuck in a pattern of shame, the first question that you get to ask yourself is, who has taught me this? Whose story have I taken ownership of? Because that's that's one of the key parts of, of our learning. And from um, the real men feel, I know... My whole generation were girls, but my parents both grew up in homes that were uh, emotionally violent and actually physically violent in one home. And this keep up appearances thing, what will people think uh, was a key method, uh, key message from my mum. So 
like at the moment I'm, I'm still writing my book Chronicles of a People Pleaser. I'm more than halfway through, but the, um, I had to do some work recently on recognizing I had an uncle uh, proposition me for sex when I was 26 years old. So I was an adult woman. He'd been in my life since I was four years old. Um, and he, for whatever reason, decided to be sexually attracted to me. Now, the shame aspect, the guilt and shame was my story back when it happened when I was 26 was I went immediately to what is my aunt going to say? My aunt was my mum's sister. Um, what was, what, I don't want to lose her. Oh, my God, what did I do to, to get him to do that? I owned it. But one of the things that I realised recently was I was the child. It didn't matter how old I was, I will always be the child in that relationship. Doesn't matter whether I'm 40 and, and he's in his seventies. So I had, and again, part of the, it's an ever ending process as the new layers show up, but the, the energy of the shame that I felt over the years, because my response to him, when he asked me, I was, you know, your uh, fight, flight or freeze. I went into freeze and the only thing that came out of my mouth was, I'll think about it because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I had no point of reference as to what do I do with this? I don't know what happens when a family member becomes sexually attracted to you. Bloody hell. So my only point, so there was a whole heap of guilt and shame about that sentence. None whatsoever of sitting there and saying to anyone in my family, he was the grown-up. He shouldn't have said that to me. He should have been able to control himself. I don't know what to do with that. All I could think of was losing my aunt and my cousins. So part of the process is to tap into where my story came that I had to own that. And then with a couple of other things that I remembered in my, my life, you know, I, I went and told my mum. And this, as soon as she said it heard come out of my mouth, she said, don't tell your father. The same thing when I had a cousin uh, touch me when I was a child, told my mum, don't tell your father. And it, that whole family was all about keeping up appearances. We can't let anybody know because they used to hide the fact that my nana and granddad used to fight like cats and dogs. So it was because it, we have to be appear to be a certain level of family. So this covert responsibility came in and then as I turn into an adult and I recognise I get triggered by something, I'm like, oh, that's what that was. Hand it back. So, so shame, I, you know, shame is getting taught. Generations are passing it down and teaching people yep. to grow up that way. Oh, that's absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we are a product of our upbringing. It's the awareness that sets us apart from the new way of life what you know and as with laurie with her work with boundaries what's okay and what's not okay what's not okay is paying the price for something because you're have been taught and have evolved to a place of being too frightened to say no and and much like you know, trauma our, our trauma is up to the individual to decide uh, what's right and wrong and a boundary is up to each individual to define for themselves too right Absolutely. So when you go into trauma with something and or something happens, your innate reaction at the moment that it happens is right and valid. You must honour those. 
because within a nanosecond of that moment, all of the plates will start spinning, which will force you into a different behavior or a more catastrophic behavior. Then all of your story starts taking over. I, I, I believe we've been talking about this really all along, but I know from your work, you talk about the emotional immune system a lot. Yes. So you want to define that or give a little more structure to that? Yeah. Emotional immune system is, um, you, you might have an immune system that's, you know, um, weak in some regards so that you get viruses often, or you get tonsillitis often. Um, people that, um, you know, I'm sure it's the same in the US, but we've just started the radio ads over here about telling everyone to go to the doctor and get their flu jab to protect them from um, getting the flu this year. And my husband and my mother-in-law get it every year without fail. Do they get the flu each year? Yes, they do. But it's just the, because they don't want to do the work. And I have tried to point out to my husband, I don't get it and we're in the same house. What do you suppose that means? It's got to mean something. <laughs> so, the, you know, we have quality hygiene standards here as well. So if somebody does get sick and manky, they're relegated to a room with their own tissues and we're not allowed to no hugging and kissing and all that sort of stuff. So we're not are you stupid. Are you making flu shame? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, ooh, there is some coloured stuff coming out of your face. Go and hide in the back room. <laughs> What do people think? <laughs> and that's, you know, honestly, Andy, that's a big thing for me. I have a, a lady that's in my circles as well. She's a nutritional medic, uh, a medical nutritionist, high level, um, has a science degree, everything. Her husband is so, is like morbidly obese. And she had to deal with a lot of guilt and shame that she couldn't encourage her husband to follow what she was scientifically qualified to do in a small town and the amount of stuff that she was owning because he, he didn't want to. And it's the same with me. If one of my kids gets sick, I've done a lot of work on it. It's like, I'm the emotional immune system person. What's going on? What are people going to say? But now it's like, like Laurie says, Oh, we've got something to work with here. What are we going to do? Cause I can't expect my kids are going to go through life without snot. It's, 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 Who would want to? Yes, that's true. It's true. Well, yes, the emotional immune system is a facet of the immune system. So you have your structural immune system. If your spine is healthy, you will have a better chance of getting through anything that comes up to make you sick. When you address your emotional immune system, you will have a better chance of getting through something quicker. If you get into your emotional immune system early, I have high expectations for my children, for example, because they were born, they chose me to be their mum. They are born and have this story in there every day. So that when, so my, my kid, my youngest kid rolled his ankle the other day. And I was able to sit there with him and say, this is what ankle injuries mean. What's going on at school? So we got to, he's in high school. It's all new. It's, it's, he's um, in overwhelm a lot of the time, but he's also the youngest child and he's trying to not get in trouble for things that he saw his older brother get in trouble for. So it's piled up. So how do we get ourselves out of that situation? We 
can't walk properly, so we can't do this and we can't do that, and mummy and daddy will feel sorry for me. Not this mummy. <laughs> but we got to work through it. I got to sook him and, and like sit there and rub his foot. But while I'm doing that, I'm talking to him, giving him permission to let go of all of this belief system. But this is the other thing. He's come up with that belief system on his own because of what he saw with his brother. And his brother and He's my, I'm the eldest of my generation. My son is the eldest of his generation. I have no point of reference. I came from a generation of girls. God gave me two boys. I remember when they put Tim on my chest and I'm like, a boy? What am I going to do with a boy? But, the, you know, I'm happy about that. And I'm glad I have two sons. But there's these soul agreements that are coming into place that as in awareness, we get to work it out so that my kids will grow up without significant illness or disease. And that's how we will be, you know, that's what I'm hoping that people will adopt into their family too, so that the generations that come after us will be healthier and happier. Everybody's got to die and everybody's got to die in certain ways. But if we can reduce the suffering attached to it, you've got a happier humanity. Right. So we're, we're running out of time tonight, but is, is there, do you have one tip to, to share for how to improve emotional resiliency or emotional immune system? You know, is there a, is there one thing that works for the most people? Just ask the questions. What is this teaching me? What is this showing me? Be curious. Don't go into judgment. If you're sitting there and you're looking at other people or looking at yourself, stay curious. What is this doing? Google is your friend. Um, ask people, seek out. As soon as you set the intention of, I don't want this in my life anymore, please bring me somebody that will show me and then look for the unorchestrated. You know, all of you guys came into my life in an unorchestrated way. I have a really cool story about that. But look how much we match. <laughs> you know, we didn't know each other from a bar of soap 18 months ago. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there. So I'm going to take responsibility for this. <laughs> I'm sitting there saying, I want a new tribe. I want some cool people that understand what I'm talking about. So then the universe got its arm and swept the top of my table off and went, there you go, Amanda. And here you all are. And we have enjoyed over 12 months of connection, even though we're in two different parts of the world. But when we speak about this stuff, we're not sitting there looking at each other thinking we've got three heads and we need to back away in the corner. <laughs> Cool. And, and, to, and to, to back it all up to, to your notion of the levels of awareness, uh, being curious, asking more questions. Again, first you have to be aware that something's up. And then that second level is asking and taking some action around it. That's right. Asking, talking, speaking, not being frightened to speak up about something. And then the third level when, because sometimes that's the, speaking can be enough. Speaking about things can give you the freedom that you need to step forward through your fear. It's the stuff that's really stuck. And when you're really stuck, then you go and you find somebody like me or you guys or Laurie and, and with the, and even, I don't know, are you still doing your reading sometimes, Apio? Like the amount, of, mm -hmm. the amount of ahas that Apio gave me in a session once. I'm sitting there thinking, I don't, it wasn't very long, but it was enough because I was at that stage of, I just want this to go. And then Appio, fresh brain, fresh head, fresh set of comprehension skills, boom, 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 happy man, <laughs> <laughs> So 
but that's what it is. Ask the question, speak about it, take action. If it isn't feeling right, take some more action. Beautiful. So, so what action can listeners take that want to get in touch with you and see what you're up to? They can jump on my website, amandafoy.com.au uh, is my website. I have a, a group format that I deliver energy sessions. So I call it, it's like having a multivitamin every Monday for Australians and Sunday for the Northern Hemisphere. It's an energetic multivitamin. You come in, you come in and you say what's going on and then you leave the rest to me. And I do a group energy session. Um, your everybody is protected. In there, nobody's energy can touch anybody else's. That was a very important part of how I built it. You say what you need to say. I do the energy session. There's a there's a quite a few people in there now, and the amount of people that go, "Were you just talking to me this week?" And I kind of say yes. And even though it's a group format, um, it's interesting how the global consciousness works. But it just starts taking it away, and it's gentle. So there's nobody lying on the floor in the fetal position, not coping with life, either. I don't do that kind of. <laughs> good for that. Yes, good. So that you have boundaries when it comes to people you work with. Yes. yes, I need people to be able to function. <laughs> <laughs> no fetal positions, no middle fingers coming from the middle from the fetal position. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I think this was a, a really fascinating uh, conversation we had tonight. So, uh, Amanda, I want to thank you once again. Uh, thank you, Leslie and Laura, for being here live, asking questions, taking part, uh, and thank you, Abio, for sure. Um, if you're looking for the link, we'll have the link um, in the show notes for this episode. And next week, we'll be live again next Tuesday, February 28th at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be joined, uh, continuing guests from down under. We've got Kirsty and James Greenshields. Oh, yeah, I love yeah. <laughs> So you, I know I've met them through you. So, so, so why don't you, can you give us a little tease? What, what, what are Kirsty and James like? What are they going to be talking about? They will be talking to you about... Um, their story, they're both ex-military and their, how they've gotten through their PTSD, the strength of recognising uh, their relationship and finding their voice and being able to uh, speak their truth, but from such an amazing, unconditional place of love. It's just, it's an extraordinary story. The work that they're doing here in Australia for men's health uh, is, it's groundbreaking. The to have a man in your circles that is such a, so full of integrity, it's, it's the masculine. It is the, the healed masculine standing there saying to men who are um, suffering that it's okay in the most masculine, loving way possible, but he gives you all of these tools. And then when his wife comes in and she speaks as, as well to the story and from a relating point of view, and what she saw and recognised in the pain in her husband and what she did to allow him to shift it through her truth. Wait, you, it's going to be a very popular episode for you. They are truly the most amazing people. And James, I just, he just floats my boat. The way he handles things, what his story, what he's been through, um, you know, i He's an extraordinary human. I'm so glad to be walking the earth with these two people as well. They're great. You'll have a good, really good show. So that, that is quite a testimonial. So glad to be walking yeah. the earth with them. Yeah. So, so thanks yeah. for making that connection. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, and again, until next time, everyone can check out realmenfield.org. Join the Real Men Field group on Facebook. 
share what you thought of this show, give us a review on iTunes, comment on the blog, share the show. And you can always reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for a great show. I, I love that you mentioned NET. That was the first thing I ever was introduced to as energy work from like 10 years ago. I've never heard people talk about it. So that was neat. I've been living it for 30 years. That's how I'm 46. And I was 15 when my, my chiropractor tried it with me. So that, that was my big dawning. I'm like, I know why I'm, what my path is. I've been living it since I was 15. <laughs> the amount of people that have teased me and, and made fun of me about me trying to connect the dots for them in my life. I can't wait till I'm a global voice on a very big stage because I'm going to call them out. Look at what I'm talking about now. You're going to rub that dot out. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to connect them. No. <laughs> right. Well, thanks again, thanks everyone. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure, Absolutely. Miranda. Apio, thanks. Anytime, my friend. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Until next time, visit realmenfeel.org, join the Real Men Feel group on Facebook, and share what you thought of this show. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com. <laughs>